0: If you've been a listener to Sarasota Stories for a while now, would you do me a little favor? Go to our website, sarasotastories.co, scroll down and enter your best email so you will know when all our episodes will air. It helps us know who's a fan and how many folks are listening. I certainly appreciate it. And now on to today's episode. If there's one thing the pandemic and the current war in Ukraine is teaching us is that we need to produce more food locally. But a critical part of that effort is to not waste what we already grow. One community group of dedicated volunteers is making big strides by gathering up the overproduction of local farmers and giving it to those most susceptible to hunger. Hi, I'm Bob Williams, and you know what? I really believe it is essential to hear each other's stories. To me, it's what really makes a community feel like home. In fact, that is why I started the Sarasota Stories podcast. It's a podcast completely dedicated to helping people just like you get connected a little deeper with our neighbors in the greater Sarasota area. I do my best to bring you some of the most interesting business leaders, civic leaders, artists, authors, entrepreneurs, physicians, philanthropists, and others who are making a positive impact in our town. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Joyce Norris, Executive Director of Sarasota Transitions, Joyce and all her volunteers are dedicated to building resilience through community, especially in the area of food security. In this episode, you'll learn what Sarasota Transitions is and how they got started, how Joyce's parents and childhood garden gave her a love for growing food, the four initiatives of Sarasota Transitions to bring about greater food security for the most vulnerable in our town, upcoming events you can attend, how you can get involved, and much, much more. Thank you for stopping by today, and as always, it is my hope that you will listen, learn, and connect. Joyce Norris, Executive Director of Transition Sarasota. Welcome to the Sarasota Stories Podcast.
1: Wow, thank you so much for having me today. Well,
0: it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, it's, it's interesting, I have been following you guys for uh actually quite a while since I moved down here 8 years ago I've always been interested in kind of urban agriculture and kind of the localvore movement I grew up on a 500 acre farm in southwest Ohio and so I've kind of had that interest in me I wouldn't say I was a farm boy or even though I did bale hay from time to time but I uh uh I you know I, I kind of grew up in that environment and so I've been really fascinated to see how communities have been moving in that direction so um, share with us a little bit about uh, the uh, Transition Sarasota's history.
1: Oh, yes. Well, Transition Sarasota is part of the greater Transition U.S. movement. And it was started in 2010 here in Sarasota by Don Hall, who was inspired by his experience with Transition Colorado. So he created our first community project, the Suncoast Leaning Project. And he's now or was executive director of Transition U.S. He's on sabbatical to write a book right now, but then I'll come back as a training director. So Transition Sarasota is centered around community-driven solutions for our local food system, with gleaning or which is harvesting excess produce being our number one focus.
0: Well we, I want to get into the the gleaning project here in just a little bit, but how did we how do we get to where you are today? Because you guys have been here for a while. And tell our listeners a little bit about what that looks like. When we talk about gleaning or we talk about transitions, give us a little bit more of a background as to what it is and what you hope to accomplish. And and, uh, just so we have a better understanding of of what you guys do.
1: Sure. Well, one of the things we are concerned about is equity and, and accessibility to fresh food and a clean environment for all. And that's often a theme that you'll find through any of the transition movements. With our Suncoast Gleaning project, we're using our volunteers to go to the field to harvest. They call it gleaning, which is the same as harvest. Any excess produce that would normally go to waste, and that's harvested from local farms. So we're taking food that would normally go to waste. We're harvesting it with our volunteers, and then we donate it to food banks. And that fresh food goes to people in need. So it's helping the environment that food doesn't go to waste. It's not left rotting in the field or doesn't go to a landfill. Right. Well, it goes on the tables and on the plates of people uh, that are going to enjoy the food, which was the farmer's number one intent. Right. <laughs> so um, the farmers get help with picking the surplus because we use our volunteers to do it for them. They could even get a tax credit for the donated food. Mm. And, um, it's just it's just a fun project. It's one of those feel-good projects all the way around. We're helping people. We're helping the environment. Um, our gleaners are uh, very passionate about what they do. They're hardworking. And it's just a lot of fun. We're always looking for people to help us join us there. Um, we also try to get different educational events and things going, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, later. But the direction transition I hope to move it is... Just getting getting the word out, getting more people involved, more community projects, more synergy, so that we can get access to healthy food to everybody in our community.
0: You know, what I find fascinating about the Gleaning Project and about transitions is I was watching a financial program recently, and they were talking about specialization and how the United States has lost a lot of its manufacturing base. They said, well... You know, when you specialize, uh, yes, you can make a higher quality product and sometimes for less money. But what you're losing is resilience, because if something happens, you cannot really bounce back so soon. And I think, you know, I'm kind of getting tired to talk about the COVID thing and and now the the constriction we've had in supply lines and whatnot. But um, by bringing the food locally here, you are actually building resilience into the community.
1: Oh, we are. It's huge. And I and I see that all the time right now is that with the distribution problems that we have, regardless what COVID impact is, we have distribution problems. If we're able to grow our own food or share food with community gardens or farmers sharing their excess so that we can keep that food locally rather than relying on something going thousands of miles across the country to get to us, that's pretty awesome. That does definitely make a more resilient community.
0: Well, it is awesome, and um, you know, coming from a business background, I mean, I was all for you know building big corporations and and uh, you know making m- making a high quality product and doing it cheaper and whatnot. But you know, I've really come to realize something. That I guess you kind of grew up with as a second generation. I call you a local vor, but uh, but uh, kind of growing up with this mindset, given that your parents had kind of taught you um you know to, to to do these things that it it's just a lot it just makes more sense because you you're you're not losing control over one of the pillars of community which of course is food.
1: Oh definitely I, I thank my parents greatly. I grew up in western Massachusetts and they had this enormous vegetable garden. So we were able to share with neighbors they shared with us relatives shared with each other. We did a lot of canning and made our own applesauce and baked goods. And we were very resilient. My dad loved to fish and that was shared with everybody too. So wouldn't it be, you know, a great concept to try to get back a little bit more to that. So where if something happens to the supply chain, sure, you know, we're not in trouble. And it was a really great way to grow up. Honestly, it, it opened my eyes to things and I really appreciate it now. I think more than ever.
0: What's your favorite part of growing? Vegetables and fruits and stuff like
1: that. Oh, oh gosh, I think that I love I love growing vegetables for sure, definitely, <laughs> and I love picking them too.
0: <laughs> well, I, I'm sure you get into all the um, all the techniques of how to grow them and and to start them off early in the season, and you know all about that that sort of stuff that I do. has been lost by so many people.
1: Yeah, I will say it's harder in Florida sometimes because of our unusual climate. Um, With getting so much rain in the summer and then the heat and everything, Um, that definitely makes it a challenge. And and we see that with farms, too, of course. I think our our season here in Florida is very different than the season up north. Where, you know, in Massachusetts, the harvest time would be summer and fall. And in Florida, it's not. It's totally the opposite.
0: Can, Can you actually grow year round in Florida?
1: I think some things that you can. um, I know that there's some community projects right now that are investigating different types of plants and uh, edible foods that are more tolerant of the Florida environment. And that would really be the way to go sustainably, too, because then you're using produce or plants that will take this heat, will take the climate. and You're not growing something that's not going to make it.
0: Joyce, back, let's back up a couple steps here and talk about you know your upbringing. You said like, like your parents raised you and you had this huge garden and uh, you grew a lot of your own food and whatnot. Did that extend to your community as well, I guess, giving you a greater sense of community? Um, oh, because, because we're seeing that what you're doing today. So talk a little bit about that.
1: Oh, definitely, because almost everybody had a garden. And back then it's funny because – Nobody talked about organic, you just didn't put pesticides on food. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. So everybody composted. You'll always have an excess of something. So, if somebody, we had always had excess tomatoes because my dad loved growing those. So, we would trade those for somebody's zucchini. So, we were constantly trading back and forth between neighbors and family members. So, that definitely was a sense of community and a sense of sharing that knowing that you could. It, and it was fun you knowing that you could share something that you've grown and grown well with somebody who's really going to enjoy it definitely was motivating there too
0: well that's very cool because we have lost so much of that today and we are reliant upon kind of the industrial food complex and many of us have seen you know what is it uh, forks over knives and uh, the cow conspiracy and kind of the industrial uh, complex that produces our food, which again has been able to produce cheap food, but you know, there's always a trade-off at, you know, at what expense. And so when you have it centralized uh, that way, then again, we just come back to the resiliency a- uh, aspect. And so it's interesting to see what you guys are doing. So, so it's really kind of, you really revolve around growing food, but really Um transitions is bigger than just the food itself. What are other aspects of growing resiliency are you guys involved with?
1: Well, we have several different things. We actually have an eat local guide that's accessible on our website and transitionsrq.org. And we're really proud of this. A lot of work went into it, but it's a resource for grow your own supplies, farm stands, farmers markets, and restaurants that serve locally sourced food when available. And not just locally owned businesses, but biz, but restaurants that are serving locally sourced food. So I think that's, that's a pretty um, interesting concept. It's a searchable online guide. And, you know, I, I think that it's going to be very useful, especially I'm hoping as more and more places jump on board serving local food, which just since the time I've been in Sarasota, I've seen the growth. So that's very encouraging. So I'm excited about that project.
0: Well, I am too. And, you know, I, again, coming back to some business periodicals I read is, is globalization in some people's minds is dead. So when you are providing food to outlets here, whether it's a farm stand or, or excuse me, a farmer's markets or to local restaurants and whatnot, you were on the forefront of that and didn't even know it, I think, at the time. So but who knew that 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 would change again with with COVID and the things that are happening you know, geopolitically that you guys are really in the forefront of what's happening at the local community. And, uh, I just find it fascinating that you kind of intuitively knew what to do before, before it was cool, I guess.
1: Yeah. And that guy is actually, we don't actually grow our food, but we are harvesting the food to donate to the food bank. Right. That is our piece of it. But we definitely want to promote all these businesses that are growing local and providing local food because, again, we're talking to the community resilience aspect of it. And that is so
0: important. It's very, very important. You know, another initiative that you all have is the Suncoast Fruit Rescue. Talk about that.
1: Oh, that—that that is something we've actually just started to expand last year. And that went over so well.
0: I mean, do you really have to rescue fruit?
1: Oh, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk to some of these people that have giant mango trees in their backyard. <laughs> And that's where it started. People have backyard trees, mango, carambola, banana, and they've gotten more than they will ever use right. all over the place. They can register their tree on our website, transitionsrq.org, And we will use our volunteers to come and harvest that food from them, from their backyards. And then we will donate that to food pantries. And we had an overwhelming response to it this past summer. I think that we had, Actually saved about a thousand pounds of food. Uh, a lot of it was wow. carambola and banana. That seemed to be the the things that were most prevalent. But it well, helps. I'm sure out. you're
0: just getting started too.
1: Oh yeah, it helps people out because they don't come home that night to a yard full of rotten fruit. And there's some people that maybe they, they don't have the time, they don't have the capacity, or the help to do this. So we'll come in and do it for you. And we'll rescue what we can reach and then we'll bring it to the food pantry and it's got an overwhelming response from the food pantries in the summer it is harder to get fresh produce and they were very excited about that we also donated some of the mangoes to streets of paradise and they made popsicles for the unsheltered folks so i thought that was a very interesting way to go too
0: right that's cool. I, it's interesting i have been on a walk around a Particular neighborhood or whatnot, and you have you know whether it's lemons or orange trees or whatnot, and they're just chock full of fruit. And then you see a quarter of it's already laying on the ground, wasting and whatnot. And I've had those same thoughts. You know, it's just such a shame. You know, of course I grab one and eat it myself, but but you think you know there is so much produce uh, to be had, and it's a shame that a lot of that goes to waste. So that's a great uh, service that you guys are providing. I, I I'm sure it's going to grow, and I, I think it's a wonderful idea.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about it myself. I'll have to get you some flyers so you can tag those people for me. Okay, okay.
0: Talk a little bit. Talk a little bit more about your Eat Local Week. What does that? What do you attempt to do with that? I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but what what do you attempt to accomplish with that?
1: Well, Eat Local Week is an annual uh, event that we've had. Not so much last year because of the COVID situation, but this year we're definitely going to be doing it. It'll be the last week of October, and it's a series of different events that promote our local food system. So it could be anything from edible garden tours, dinners or educational events, cooking demos, anything that has to do with our local food system. We are already kind of taking a look at some events, partnering with other businesses so that we can promote local businesses as well. But it's just a fun way to get the the message out um, to our community about how important it is to eat local. And support our businesses, part of like local people serving local food. So it, it's a fun it's a fun week, and I definitely want people to stay tuned because there'll be more to come for sure.
0: Well, I, I, it sounds exciting, and it sounds like once again, it's just an extension of what transitions is all about. And I think it's again, it's it's greatly needed here. Your last initiative, I would say your last, but your fourth one is your Eat Local Guide. So what is what is that? Is that a physical guide? Is it a virtual guide, digital?
1: Yeah, the Eat Local Guide is is our online resource that shows um, – is a resource for farms, farmers, market, grow your own supplies, and restaurants serving local food. And definitely, we want to try to promote that more um, as well. Visit Sarasota has now – promoting it on their Sarasota road guide, road tour guide. So I'm excited about that. And there is a green living toolkit that's coming out by the environmental council. So that'll be available on there as well. So I'm excited about getting the word out because again, we wanna promote local businesses that are helping us locally to keep the resilience. And we definitely wanna support our farms and our farmers markets.
0: Couldn't agree more. I've had, I uh, have a interview later on today with a, a new farmer's market. So they're popping up everywhere, which is what we like to see.
1: They are. I'm glad about that.
0: So if, if someone wants to get involved in the Glenny project or, or just tell me how do people get involved? Cause this, this is a 501 C three, correct?
1: It is. We're a nonprofit. Um, so we are, of course, always looking for volunteers and for sponsors and, um, You could just go to our website at transitionsrq.org and see information about all of the projects that that we currently do, as well as that's where we post events, community involvement, our gleaning, all kinds of things. We are doing um, quarterly events. We did quite a few events, actually, the beginning of this year, taking advantage of that wonderful winter weather we have out there. And that's where you can see everything that's going on. If you signed up for our newsletter, then you'll get automatic notification. You'll get a, a newsletter with everything that we're doing, um, all of the gleaning events, any other events that we have coming up. So take a look at that. and That's probably the, the first resource I would use. So, so what
0: does a gleaning event look like? I mean, give us the, the, the quick and dirty. Oh, I I assume, dirty. I assume everybody gets dirty, right?
1: It's definitely dirty. Okay, so what happens is a farmer uh, has excess. Maybe he'll have excess peppers. Maybe they're the wrong shape, wrong size, didn't need them. And he'll let me know, usually three or four days in advance. So I put out what we call an event. In other words, a call to action for our volunteers. They get notification of what day it is, what time. We should split it into different shifts so nobody's there more than a couple hours. And then we organize how many, volunteers we need and they meet us out there usually the food bank of manatee or all faiths will come out they'll bring boxes and we'll literally go out there and harvest for our select uh, period of time usually a couple hours and we'll fill the boxes and then the food truck will pull up and all of that produce will be loaded into the back of the truck and then immediately go to the food bank So it's very rewarding for us, I think, because we can be out there picking things. And if you're on that second ship, you're literally going to see the food bank come up and take what you've just done and put it in the truck. So it's very very fun, I think, too. Our volunteers are very passionate about what they do. They're hardworking. And everybody gets to take a little bag of something home, like a shopping bag of something home as a reward for picking too. And believe me, after two hours, <laughs> sometimes you're very happy to get a reward. They deserve it. They're, they definitely work hard. But we have a good time too. It's fun. It's a, definitely a feel-good project all the way around.
0: How many people typically will come out to a gleaning event?
1: I've had as much as, say, maybe a couple of shifts of 15 people at a time. And you'd be surprised. There's some people that have done this for a while and they are machines out there. <laughs> they, they can pick those tomatoes very, very fast. So it all. I try to just do it, you know, based on your ability. There's some people that are doing it for the first time. There's some people that maybe can't, you know, bend over as much. We try to just work with each other and, and you know, do what we can with getting it out there as much as possible and getting into the boxes.
0: Do do you provide tools and like water bottles, or do people bring those with them? What what does that look like?
1: They bring their own water bottles, and they'll and they would bring their own shopping bag to to take some home. We provide any of the tools. uh, For instance, Browns Grove was a new uh, gleaning event this year, or this just past this year, and we brought our own orange picking equipment and so everybody had fun doing that if it's watermelons we have a farm we do watermelons we might bring some little watermelon knives out a lot of times if you just pluck it off like a pepper or tomato you really don't need anything to pick it you just twist it and pull it off so we do provide the equipment we provide the training and we provide supervision so I'm always available or someone is always available there to ask questions of so prior experience not needed (laughs) just come out and have fun
0: Again, I think it's wonderful that you donate all this. And of course, all of your volunteers donate their time and whatnot. And I'm speaking out of ignorance, but I, I, it's always kind of amazed me in this land of abundance and all the wealth that you see around us, particularly in the greater Sarasota area, there's food insecurity. And for people that maybe have not heard that term before, can you talk about what that is and maybe the extent? Or is it, or the seasonality of it, what talk about with people that just, they just don't have enough food.
1: Right. And I think what I'm seeing a lot, I'll give you a couple of examples. It could be that maybe there's someone that has some health challenges. They go to their doctor. Their doctor says, you've got to eat more healthy. Well, they don't, they're on a fixed income and fixed income. You really can't afford the organic vegetables. Or maybe you can't afford much produce at all. Maybe you're buying canned food or pasta. Now you're told to eat healthy for your health. What do you do? And that's where sometimes these people that are going to the food pantry because they have a very limited income, all of a sudden they're getting fresh produce. Well, that's a game changer for them. That's huge. There's also people that, um, you know, the, the rising cost of everything is difficult for everyone. But if you're on a very limited income, you have a larger family or you have, you know, other costs that you have to think about the cost of rents going up, then you have, you could have a week where you just paid your rent and you really don't have any, anything left over. And that's, I think where it comes in. You can afford maybe some, you know, canned goods, you're going to the food pantries and you're getting some things like that, but really fresh, healthy food is sometimes more expensive. And that's, unfortunately the way it is right now that's why i feel very passionate about what we do is we're getting fresh produce to people that maybe they wouldn't be able to afford it otherwise because i think that if you're you're challenged and on a fixed income you're going to look for right quantity you have to look for what's going to fill people up and what can i buy the most of and it might look things look at things that aren't as healthy as you might want because that's only all you can afford and that's really i think what we're speaking about here is that it does seem strange that in a world that we live in today there would be food insecurity but i see it all the time and right. I see people you know being forced to make maybe unhealthy or higher in calorie choices because unfortunately that's all they can afford
0: And right now, unfortunately, we're going through uh, an inflation period in our economy. And I guess all of Western civilization is going through an inflation period. That puts even greater strain, I think, on our food uh, security. So, you know, once again, I just think it's wonderful what you guys are doing. If someone has no desire to go out and get, you know, worms in their fingers as they're picking up tomatoes or cabbages or whatever – how else can they get involved?
1: Well, actually, there's there's other ways too. We can we are a nonprofit, so of course, one of the evils of being a nonprofit, we shall say, is we're always fundraising. Sure. So you, we are always accepting donations, very gratefully so, because in order to keep our programs running, we do need to get funded. There's also a lot of events that we do, and I try to have those events always be very affordable to people we've had some very fun events this year including um, an event with sarasota honey company which was a beekeeping tour and honey tasting we had an edible garden tour with florida native plants Uh, sweet song groves put on a couple of fruit tree tours and a class so all these things are very affordable ways to help support us too by attending events it's fun for people to go to and i said i want to i want to feel like i'm giving something back Asking for money sometimes is a is necessary for nonprofits to do, but I want to make sure that people know that we're only doing it because we need the we need resources in order to run our program. So definitely, uh, joining us with events is a way to do that as well.
0: Well, you have one coming up here, April twenty sixth and twenty seventh, uh, noon to noon. The Giving Challenge. What is that?
1: Oh my! Well. This is my first big fundraiser because I took a leap of faith when I became executive director. I have an accounting background, but really felt like I wanted to make some changes in my life and do something where I felt like I was making a difference. And this is definitely, I feel that every day. So the Giving Challenge is a fundraising, online fundraising event put on by the Community Foundation of Sarasota. And it goes from noon to noon, April twenty-six to twenty-seven. So it's a huge fundraising event for nonprofits. And you would just go onto their um, website, which is community, which is, I'm sorry, givingchallenge.org. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm really, of course, hoping that this does extremely well. It's extremely important sure. to me. And for a nonprofit company, this is an enormous event. So, again, I'm really, really hoping that all this goes well. And it's my first one, so anybody take take pity on me.
0: everybody's an infant when they start off in something new, oh, you should have heard, heard, you should have heard, you should have heard me stuttering around the first time I did a podcast. So. Oh, <laughs> Five years from now, you're, you'll be a pro and you'll, you won't think anything about it. So it's just going to be great. It's yeah. going to be great. So people, so what's the name, which website did they go to in order to give to it? The giving challenge?
1: Giving, givingchallenge.org. And, and that'll yep. go from noon to noon, April 26th to April 27th. So basically yep. you go on there And you donate to the nonprofit of your choice. And the Patterson Foundation is matching actually up to $100. So if you say, for instance, give $100, we would really get $200 because it's getting matched. And then our board of directors is actually matching donations over $100 up to a cap of $4,000. So if if you donated a couple hundred dollars, then that would get matched too. So I'm pretty excited about this. Um, it's definitely a huge opportunity for us, and so again, okay, I'm really hoping this, hoping this goes well, and I'm hoping you choose Transition Sarasota as your number one charity.
0: <laughs> well, we're going to put all the back links uh, in the show notes and whatnot, so people will be able to find that and, and contribute. I think again, it's a it's a very worthy cause to get behind. As we as we wrap up here, where do you want to take Transitions SRQ?
1: I would love to see expansion to more farms. We've already gotten more this year, uh, thanks to a grant from the Community Foundation. So I'm excited about that. Love to get some more people as volunteers, as volunteer gleaners. And we have also a community project with South Bay Sarasota, which is kind of interesting where they grow different types of edible plants To show what grows well in Florida, it could be tomatoes or lettuce, particular types of things that do well here, but they don't have a means to sell it. So we go in and glean it and we donate that to food pantries. The synergy of that, I would love to see some more um, community gardens that are growing specifically for food pantries or even school gardens, because I think that that is an amazing synergy between you, you see the grower, we come in with the volunteers, and then it goes to the food bank in one circle, literally in a couple of hours. So I think that is really fun. So I'd love to see the expansion there. I think the more people we reach, the more food that we can get, healthy food to people, the the better off we're going to be as a community.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Well, Joyce, uh, again, uh, you are doing some wonderful things here in the community. I love to see it at Transition Sarasota or TransitionsSRQ.org. I encourage everybody who's at all interested about food security, or they're interested in getting involved and by golly, go out and get your fingernails dirty and glean some food and help the community out. Cause it's a, uh, it's a great way to build community. It's a great way to help out people that, you know, may not be able to help themselves as well. So Joyce, thank you very much for being on Sarasota stories. I appreciate your time.
1: Uh, thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to SarasotaStories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect.